Hey guys, welcome to the Begging Broadcast, episode number 340. I'm Chris. I'm John. I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you all the top news from this past from the two past days. Two days and three months <laughs> ago. Yeah. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out 5-17-2017. We follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. This week, it's time for our monthly look back. We're going to be looking back at some of the comic books that we want to talk about from the month of April. And this week, we have Secret Empire number zero, uh, The Armor Rewards, Good Apollo, and Burning Star 4 number one. And then what were the other two I had? X-Men Gold. X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue number one. Had to scroll down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Harkening the, back to some The headline-making X-Men Gold number one. Oh, yes. Oh, I didn't even look for it. I don't think I would have found it. No, I, I was keeping it in the back of my mind, but we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we need to talk about first is uh, how we come together every week. Nice to have you back in the studio hey, again. Glad, glad to be here. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. You've got some long vacations. Or we just condensed down. Nice time extended machines. weekend. Yeah, it's over the course. And I feel like uh, we're doing a lot of episodes, and to keep us doing so much episodes, we need some power behind us. We need some uh, something to get us steamrolling through. And this is a high octane. <laughs> <laughs> this is a high octane beer right here. This is uh, the Firestone uh, Parabola, the 2017 vintage, uh, just came out, and this is a barrel aged imperial stout. That uh, is 14.5 alcohol by volume, so it is high alcohol, uh, high alcohol, and it tastes it. Definitely, it's definitely got an alcohol burn on it. It coats your like esophagus yeah. as it goes down. It's nice, but it needs to level out. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely for aging. Mm-hmm. Um, so was this? Sorry, go ahead, John. No, no, this was barrel aged for how long? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might say on the box. What'd you do with the box? I gave it to Paul. I put it over here. In the garbage? Safe no, next to the garbage. It, uh, That's where I keep all the things I want to keep safe. Uh, so this is... Constantly aged, stay barrel age, cut recipe, blah, blah, blah. Nope, doesn't say. Um, I was just wondering if it went right from barrel to bottle or if they, again, aged it. Like, if it was the 27 vintage, if it's been aged for a year. I think they did that the because it's made... It's for, bottled in the 2017. It's made for aging. Um, so when you pull this out, because it's 14.5%. Um, this is one of the first beers, second or third in their barrel age line that they do, that they shifted over to 12-ounce bottles. Um, before it was um, the bomber bottles. Um, they did this so they could put out more beer. Um, that way more people would be able to get Prabola versus only being able to maybe ship... 12 large bottles. Now they can send 24 smaller bottles. Um, $8.99 for the 12-ounce bottle, which I don't think is that bad. I think that's a bad um, can, is a one 12-ounce bottle of 120-minute IPA? 10? 10. So, yeah. It's right in that. Yeah. Right in that. Right in the right price, price this, range. This is more in my wheelhouse than something like the 120, though. I always like Stouts and Porters a little bit more than the mm-hmm. IPA, so I would pick this up before that, but at the same time, that that price point, I, I would just go to Anderson Valley. Yeah, and get a bomber. Get, get a, bomber. a bomber that you can drink right away. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's not there's nothing wrong with this. I like it, but it definitely needs to to level out a little bit before I would go back to it. Yeah, but when I'm making my mortgage payment and I'm saying, you know, it's nice to have a house and it's nice to have a cellar, I need to use my cellar for something. 
<laughs> so why not buy more bottles of beer and throw more money at that problem and say, hey, at least I got a, I, I got at, at least I have a Prabola from 2017. I might not have much to show uh, at the end of the day, but at least I got some beer in the basement, I guess. I don't know. And going over to the news, somebody who has a lot to show is Heineken, yeah. who has taken over 100% of Lagunitas. Uh, 2015, they sold 50% stake to, Lagunita, or to Heineken, um, and now they've given the rest over. Um, everyone is still in place and in charge at Lagunitas. Um, they're just doing this as a better way to get their beer across the world. Right. Um, because I, I'm wondering, like, okay, I can understand, like, small breweries needing big influxes of money all at once in order to, you know, make that next jump, the next expansion jump. Is there any weird rule out there that says they can't be offered as an IPO? Like, they can't go to, like, the regular, like, say, hey, we're going to be selling shares in our brewery soon and raise money that way? Or is it that they just can earn a lot more money and also piggyback off of distribution rights by selling off to an already established mega conglomerate brewery? I think it's piggybacking on the distribution. It's just easier versus doing the initial IPO and then maybe not making all that much money on it. Because in the the deals, I think that they work out is that they're just like their parent company, mm-hmm. and they don't have a huge say in the brewery's day to day kind of things. Where like if they sold off like shares, then those people really feel like they own the company. Yeah, because I want to own part of a of a brewery that I love. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I think usually that's just I mean being having to and being an investor mm-hmm. in a brewery, you know that startup money, yeah. you know, or trying to keep a brewery afloat and selling off portions of ownership that way. But yeah, I think this is just in a way, and and how they're looking at it is is they haven't sold out; they're just trying to get across the world and make it easier for shipping. Didn't you see some when you were in Belgium? Didn't you see uh, an American like crafters? It was Founders, yeah, right? Founders, yeah. <laughs> they had like a Founders takeover. They, they had a Founders takeover in Germany. Um, but Lagunitas, Lagunitas was all over Amsterdam, which, you know, mm-hmm. wow. Heineken's a Dutch beer, so of course it's going to be there. But it was funny seeing that there and seeing it in a couple other places, too. And it just being like, eh, no, this is a new thing. We have it over here. I don't know if you saw, um, just kind of piggyback on Founders, they're opening a tap room uh, in Detroit. pub in Detroit, yeah. Which is cool. I, I'm very excited about that because I still want to go back to get some more Cunahan and get some more uh, uh, New Holland. And yeah. now I'm sad that New Holland hasn't started to make its way out more. But you said Erie it just, PA. It just hit PA. So hopefully. So me being able to just go into Detroit versus driving all the way over to the other side of the Mitt yeah. to get to anything. Because it's Dragon's Milk. I would just yeah. drink that daily if I could find it. It's four hours to drive for us to drive to. Um, Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's another four hours to get to, like, uh, New, uh, Grand, Rapids Grand Rapids and stuff. Rapids, yeah. So it's like mm, four hours get to Detroit. You can do your it's thing. a work day. Yeah, even yeah. less to, for us to even drive down to Erie. Mm-hmm. That's so true. If we can get Dragon's Milk down there, it's so true. Good. And also we could stop at Voodoo because Voodoo has a place in Erie. Yeah. 
And Voodoo Brewery's good, too. That's a much better trip. <laughs> Voodoo Brewery has three different uh, places now. And then in Pittsburgh, talking about PA, Southern Tier opened up recently, uh, a place in Pittsburgh. It's... Uh, so these small ones, these small breweries are still expanding. It's not like everybody's getting eaten up, even though Voodoo is way too local to read. Lagunitas, number six we were talking about, maybe? Number six. It was the number six largest um, nationwide brewery, like because they were almost everywhere in the United States. And now... By distribution, not maybe not by production, but by yeah. distribution. And they opened up a secondary, secondary facility in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So they have two breweries to supply beer across the United States and now into it with when you go Europe. nationwide I think you kind of have to have more production going on than just in your local area too like you want to like Chicago's great because you have that whole supply network like mm-hmm. Chicago's an old railroad town everything came through Chicago so everything can leave from Chicago if you're on the west coast or east coast you kind of want something in the middle of the country just so especially when you release something that's like born yesterday you have to keep it yeah. fresh you want to keep it fresh you want it out there quickly like to just ship it just shipping it across country is going to take you three to four days and you know uh us beer snobs are becoming more and more fanatic about check the date check yeah. the date and uh, you know like stone new belgium and i think oscar blues all have breweries in north carolina and they're actually all set like right next to each other, so you can walk to one to the next That's to the really other, cool. um, all in this small little town. And like they're all doing great there, but they're there for supplying the East Coast, mm-hmm. the breweries, you know, in the and then you get like central the and, there too. and the West. Um, they're there to do that. Um, the only problem is, is when like um, uh, Sierra Nevada, they they have it over there too. The only thing is, like, Sierra Nevada, when they had a, a problem with their bottles, like the glass. and there was glass in the bottles, every single beer that came out of that facility that's going from, you know, up and down the East Coast, they had to recall all of that beer. Yeah. So that's, like, a good thing to have a secondary brewery, because if they only had one brewery and they're supplying the whole United States. Um, and Southern Tier just opened, I believe, a second one. They have uh, the brew house mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, but they have all moved um, down to the Carolinas as well mm. for a secondary brewery. Mm-hmm. Labatt Blue is opening up, uh, is moving their headquarters here in Buffalo. I actually saw that, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, because they're going to have like a whole like like operations, like pub grill. Pub which, grill, and supposedly they're going to be trying some of their, you know, like kind of, they're going to try to go the Genesee route, I heard, uh, where they do their small brew house collection. The, you know, the yeah, actual the pilot, beer, batch. the pilot batch uh, from that location, too, that will only be available at that facility. Which I, I poo-pooed that when you went to Genesee, and I was like, oh, wow, like, how many types of water can you drink in one day? But then the stuff that you came back with, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's that's surprising. I wish mm-hmm. that would be the moneymaker, you know? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's how they're they're doing it is they have a craft beer and then they have the well i'm hoping labat learned its lessons from its prohibition series we remember those <laughs> yes yeah chris i still have a bourbon barrel aged we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where we end up at the, at the end of the show <laughs> That's for but, you because you liked it uh it wasn't terrible <laughs> um, but actually but, north american um brew crafters 
which own Labatt's, they're already stationed here, so they're just mm-hmm. opening up a brew pub. Yeah. Well, they're moving their headquarters to that place, and also they're doing the brew pub there, from I, what I understand. It's already their head, Labatt's headquarters is here. Yeah, they're moving it into that new place that Terry yeah, Pagooga okay. bought. They're, yeah, they're moving it down the street. They're moving they it down still, the street. They're already here. They're just moving uh-huh. it into this faci- uh, their, facility. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The way I kept saying it is like they're just moving here to Buffalo. No, no. I, I just want to make sure they're already here. They're yeah. already here. They moved here out of Rochester not too long ago. And uh, a lot of people were kind of like up in arms because they're like, wait a second, Terry Pagula, the Pagula Entertainment uh, Sports, Pagula Sports Entertainment uh, Company has an agreement with Southern Tier to do their one Buffalo beer. Yet, Labatt Blue now is going to be renting space, and they're also the official sponsor of the Buffalo Sabres for Pagula Sports Entertainment. So they're like, how can you be doing both? And they're like, because we can? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing that seems like mutually exclusive, unless there's some sort of wording in the contract that's like, now that we have Labatt here, like you can't mm-hmm. do... Except if I was Labatt, I'd be like, I've tasted one Buffalo. It's it's pretty Labatt. Yeah. It's not great. I was yeah. I was kind of let down when I had it. Yeah, it's it's, it's really pretty bad. The the thing that's been great. It's, about it's not bad. It's just it's it's as close as you look at and still being able to call it a craft beer as you can yeah. get. Um, pe- there's more people wearing the one buffalo clothing than they've actually had the one buffalo beer. Because I've had a lot of people when I've done tastings and I've done different events that I'll be handing out one buffalo and somebody come up and they'll say like, oh man, I haven't had this. And I'm like, you're wearing a one buffalo <laughs> coat, man. That's like a $100 coat. He's like, well, they're the same? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's the same logo on it, guy. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's an overarching Pagula Sports Entertainment. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, the, the big thing too is there's so many breweries that do contract brewing. Saranac and Flying Bison have both brewed Brooklyn beers. Hmm. Um, they also, Saranac brews Boston Lager. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. My my grandmother's favorite beer. We were talking about beer oh. when we went out for breakfast today because she was wondering what shirt I had on underneath my button up here. So I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make it Ooh, sexy. Make it sexy. Oh no no too sexy too sexy. You're doing it too slow. Do it faster. Sorry. I'm wearing my Founders shirt. I was like, oh, oh. it's Founders. It's the brewery that I Marvel lived by. I am Marvel marveling malts. at those malts. Uh, I was like, it's the brewery that I lived by when I was in Michigan. She's like, I don't think I've ever had anything from them. I was like, oh, it's like it's my favorite. She's like, my favorite's Samuel Adams. I was like, oh, you know, you do you, Grandma. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Because then I was talking about like, oh, because Hamburg's so great and it's it's so close. She's like, I don't like anything I've ever had from there. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, go get a grounded or a derailer. Check back with me. But yeah. yeah, sweet tang. She'd like the sweet tang because that's a grapefruit lager. They have it at Wigman's. Yeah, I saw a big like a big display of it the other day. Yep. Yeah, beers. Yeah. Beers. Moving uh, on. Other local news is yeah, it's great to see some states like opening it up and trying to get more expansion of uh, breweries. And then it's sad to see when I don't know uh, the old Republic of uh, Texas deciding to make it harder for local breweries to expand uh, at the air. In their, uh, I think it's going to their Senate, a bill to basically make it illegal for brew houses to sell their own beer if they want to go national. They would have to first sell their own beer to a distributor and then buy it back from the distributor and then sell it in their own brew house, Uh, which is these kind of weird, stupid regulations. So is there a way around that where they can say, like, oh, well, we distribute 
this beer on our own, and then they can just buy it from themselves, quote unquote. Uh, no, because I, I believe only certain certain people have the ability to be their own, and and, and it's different everywhere. I, I know it's the distribution county rules. To county. If they sign up with a national distributor, they would then have to sell all their beer to that national distributor and then buy it back to sell it in their own brew house versus. And, them being able to keep a certain allotment that they brew on premises and sell on premises, and it, it's it's so interesting because county to county in a mm-hmm. state, there's different laws that, you know, and um, they're almost so archaic. I mean, Ohio last summer just passed a law to be for breweries to be able to brew over like eight or ten percent. Um, they wouldn't weren't able to do it. Um, selling wine out of um, just uh, in Pennsylvania. Selling wine in grocery stores just got passed, mm-hmm. um, and, and beer it's as well. It's still, still illegal down in Pennsylvania, where there's still the specialty beer shops that you have to go to buy, to buy beer and liquor and wine. Just like two years ago in, in Orlando, like they finally got the clearance to sell growlers at places. Like That was one of the big things that when I moved out, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that wasn't something that was doable. Yeah, well, back when we were first getting started here in Buffalo, you know, and us getting into the craft beers, like some places were very, you have to have that Surgeon General's warning about yeah. alcohol on that growler, otherwise we can't fill it. Now it's like, what you got? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's the rules have been laxed or the people just don't care that, anymore. <laughs> right before I moved away from Grand Rapids, that's how it was at Founders. Like it used to just be like you go in with your growler or you just buy a growler, they would fill it. And now they're like, they would have to see like that it has the sticker on it and then they would have to put it on there. Mm-hmm. Even though it's already like one of their branded growlers, they it would have to be. Have to get the Surgeon General warning. Yeah. And I just think it's so crazy to be hard on. There's some people that are like, they're hard on these breweries where other places are like, no, we want we want breweries. New, Buff- New York State. Like. Like, Buffalo is on the uprise because of all these breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying mean, to like put more laws on the books to help people that uh, grow the grains and stuff. That way they can get the. Uh, support from the government to be like, no, you need you need this. Yeah, um, Community Beer Works, where we went yesterday, um, they've brokered a deal with uh, like Niagara Falls to bring their brewery there, and then they're also working okay. on having a secondary one in Buffalo. And again, they're like, oh, we can do this because they're making it so easy for us to do this. Yeah. You know, they're giving us breaks. They want us there. To help grow the city, if we go, if Community Beer Works moves into Niagara Falls, that means that other breweries will want to open in Niagara Falls, and then all of that's just going to help raise everything around the area. And, and it's, it's happened with Buffalo, yeah, and it it really helps when it's good beer too. I yeah, mean, that's the thing. And then you got the places here in, in, in New York State. We do have a lot of farmland. You don't need to go that far outside of Buffalo to see it. And there are like Empire Brewery. We're not a big fan of them. I do enjoy a couple of their beers, but they opened up their own brewery and farm, and they're growing the hops themselves because that's one of the other big, like, uh, you know, when I'm reading beer news, that's one of the big things that always people talk about. That's, oh, the big business is buying out all the hops. It's gonna That's going to be the next uh, battleground is the, the hop market. Well, even, I mean, this is going back to last year, but that was one of the things that Hamburg was working on. Like, they mm-hmm. were looking at, looking forward to, brewing the first beer that everything in that beer was grown on property. Mm-hmm. Like, they're growing the malts, they're yeah. growing the hops. Rogue like. has recently done it, too, with their farm their farm stand stuff. Unfortunately, we haven't loved those Rogue yeah. beers. But farm-to-table, there's a, I think, once or twice a year, a big uh, farm 
Pint. Pint. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw posters well, for yeah. it when we were uh, going around places this because, weekend. And I think it's important, and I think it's great that uh, the economy of breweries should be a very or a very vertical. It's a very, also, I like the fact that it's also very local. It's mm-hmm. the same way in Grand Rapids where every year they have the art prize where it's like a festival of the arts where different restaurants, buildings, like schools, all basically almost sponsor a piece of art and then everyone can go around. It becomes almost like a walking tour. Like you stop at this place yeah. to see this art and then you can vote on your favorite. But Founders actually teams up and they brew a beer every year for it too. They're... They have the R Prize one. It's like mm-hmm. usually the Mosaic Promise, yeah. but they'll do different stuff. I really like that uh, stained glass look of yeah. the label. That Beautiful. Was a, yeah. And they actually have it at the brewery, like that uh, we were looking for. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you want and, to use uh, a different glass because this is a different beer. But I'm hoping that integration. You're be a snob. <laughs> I'm hoping that integration keeps on happening. And don't cut your finger. I'm going to. I know you will. Spite you. Oh. But while John's pouring the next beer, why don't we. Uh, Get into the list. Take a, take a look at some of the next comic books we're going to be reading that well, come out May 17th. Is there some uh, movie bracket news for this weekend? Oh! Boxofficemojo.com, huh? Yeah, last week, uh, if you listened, we did our annual box office summer blockbuster bracket buster number five or six. We don't remember the bracketeer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this weekend, we had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 come out. Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, going up against Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets. And Valerian lost. It doesn't matter. It's, it already lost. Uh, opening weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is estimated right now at $145 million and some odd change. There's some, like, a, um, and then another half a million dollars on top of it. Does Box Office Mojo say what the opening weekend was for the first Guardians? Uh, I can It's look. usually really good with supplying that info. I'm just kind of curious. Similar movies. Oh. Uh, well, it did better than Ant-Man at 500 and or at uh, $57 million. Yeah, Ant-Man and, was a little comic book movie that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did not do as well as Jurassic World at $280 oh million. But let's look at... Uh, just. I was sim- surprised when I hit similar that they want to give me Volume 1. That was sweet. What a go box office mojo. Yeah, come on. Uh, $94 million. Okay, so better... Significantly yeah. better. But also an August release versus a May yeah. release. Like, this is the first of oh, the summer movie blockbusters. This weekend you know, kind of kicks off, unless it's Fast and the Furious. Oh my God. <laughs> it kicks off well, the summer. Kind of to jump into the time machine really quick, I remember people are always excited when the Marvel movies come out now, but Guardians of the Galaxy, that was the one that everyone was like, you saw Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Oh my God. Like, it was so good. And because it's so different, I think it needs it needs to do well. And I'm glad that, you know, we're sitting on 145. Right now it's, uh, let's see, because normally they give me like the number, in, oh, here it is, in comic book ad- adaptation so far, overall, it's number 45. Ranked 45. But that's overall ranking, not? Yeah, yeah, for okay. for comic books, for superheroes, yes, superhero. It's the 45 top grossing movie of all time for the superheroes, and it's just had its opening weekend. So it's already past the Incredible Hulk, the Wolverine, Hulk... Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Ghost Green. Rider, Green Lantern, Batman and Robin, Watchmen, Watchmen, Superman 2, Daredevil, Power Rangers, it's already beat. So it's it's beating some notable movies, but all those notable movies are notable because they're like, eh, they're not great. Uh, it's, number, it's only had one weekend so far. Open. Yeah, but that's, that's uh, good. So we're looking for that to pass up 
So I'm thinking it's going to land somewhere in the 20s. Somewhere like tw- between like are, 20 and 10. They counted uh, The Incredibles, too, on this list. It's mm-hmm. a superhero movie. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, The Incredibles pretty so well. So your top five are Marvel's The Avengers, The Dark Knight, Avengers Age of Ultron, Dark Knight Rises, Iron Man 3. I mean, those are the top five to beat. And uh, Dark Knight number two opened with 158 million okay. so it's it's on it can become one of the it's uh, well on its way <laughs> to being in see, the i don't see it doing better than game. dark knight because i think dark knight had a lot going for it just with heath ledger's death right right after um and also i it was the best it was the best batman movie though like everybody says that but then again mr emporium's magic Euphorium, which is his last the last movie he actually appears in. Granted, they brought in other actors to fill but that, that role. That is a Terry Gilliam. That weird. Yeah, that's nowhere. movie. Yeah, that, that wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. And but plus, did it, it it didn't have good ratings. Did it, it get a, a bump at all from like oh it's the last Heath Slider film? No, no, because no, everyone spent their money on Dark Knight. So I'm just saying, like it probably didn't even have the distribution to make the money. It wasn't in enough theaters. I'm just saying, I don't know if it's fair to say. Oh, everybody wants to see it because it's less he's like her movie. Well, I think it that's was not just the only reason, movie. but also it's the best Batman movie ever made. And then mm-hmm. the Heath Ledger, like just even his performance on top of it, like that alone was like newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy is number eleventh on li- number eleven on the list. By the way, the first one very respectable. Uh, right after Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. And Suicide and Squad. 12 and 13, man. Man, they took over... That was better than Iron Man, but that was because Iron Man didn't have all the 3D bullshit and IMAX bullshit. Incredibles looks like it's number 15. Uh, uh, Iron Man 2's 15. Oh, I saw the Incredibles. It's 18. 18 Incredibles. Sorry. I'm looking Box over. Off. I'm looking over Paul's shoulder. Enjoy us reading BoxOfficeMojo.com. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to reading some comic books that come out May 17th. Oh, good segue, Chris. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what... John has he's getting his phone out to oh, look. That's great, but I'm looking forward to Star Star Wars Poe Dameron number fifteen. Hey guys, look at me. I'm important. I'm on the show. You are on the show. <laughs> uh, Poe Dameron. I want to talk first. Oh uh, yeah, Johnny, you want to talk first? Uh, I how was fourteen? Uh, I haven't read it, but you know, I'm going to jump back in and take a look again. I, I, sure I feel you, like you said that before. You <laughs> did, did that before. Did that. you pick up like twelve? No. when you said you were going to do no. that. No. Oh, okay. All the all the Star Wars comics are on sale right now. Like you can get the single issues for a dollar ninety nine, and it was really hard not going back to buy them all. Uh, I picked up Lando, the first volume of Lando. I might have to do that as we as John talks because his book. Because I was thinking, I was like, I'm going to need stuff to read on the plane, and I was like. I'm just going to buy all of the actual, like, the Star Wars title proper that I didn't read. And then I looked and I was like, oh my god, they're up to issue, like, 30. I was like, I can't buy, like, 20 issues of that book. Um, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading Lando. I'm looking forward to eventually reading Poe Dameron. Yeah, I'm going to... he's not going to buy it. I'm on Star... I'm and, on uh, what, right what, now. What book are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to another Wicked the Divine one-shot. They've done two of these now, um that kind of take place back in the past of the Wicked Divine history, where the premise of the book is every 90 years, the gods and goddesses you know from all different religions are born into human form. They live for two years. After that, they die. 90 years later, they're reborn again. Um, This is going back to the year 455, and it's telling the tale of Lucifer, one of the kind of fan-favorite characters from the first arc of the book. Uh playing the fiddle as Rome Burns. Oh. Nero. Huh? Nero. Uh, 
I'm actually not looking forward to a book coming what? out this week. I did not see Order anything. Order of Glando. Mm. Uh, I did not find anything coming out this week that struck any interest that I'd actually be picking up. Uh, maybe something here and there if something else pops up. But I'm going to go back into my wish list of things, and I'm going to be picking up Greg Rucka's The Old Guard, which is getting uh, a lot of good buzz. Um, I think they're on issue four right now. Um, but this tells a story of um, these uh, undying soldiers who are trapped in uh, immortality and are now in the 21st century and how they are still fighting the good fight. Um, the Haunted Tank. No, it's not the Haunted Tank. Not the Haunted Tank. I'm not sure what you're talking about. That's a DC yeah. character. Oh, yeah. yeah. That Greg Ruckus has always said he kind of wanted to write, but he's never been able to get Found like, a way around it. There yeah. you go. <laughs> he's never gotten <laughs> approval you from editorial. Um, but uh, this is something that I've wanted to pick up and just gives me a reason when I can't find a book that week to mm-hmm. go into my wi- my wish list and pull up a book. Um, so that's going to be uh, The Old Guard, number one. Hmm. An old book I think we need to revisit is Night Force. And now, a dramatic reading of Night Force, number one, page 17, panel three. Excuse me, I'm James Duffy, sergeant with the Hilton Head Police. I've never seen either of you before. And we've never seen you. And that was a dramatic reading of Night Force, number one, page 17, panel three. Hmm? What, what, what no, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at your keyboard and mouse. Is that Razer? No, it's uh, some cheap thing that I got off of Amazon for like $14. Oh, not bad. I, it looks cool. It, it lights, lights up. up. It does. I, I thought the the, uh, oh, the keyboard doesn't. Keyboard light, light up. It's just like three different areas, which uh, is kind of. That's, that's kind of crap because one of those things, like when I was heavier into WoW, like before I moved, uh, I hated having to have the lights on in my apartment while I was playing because <laughs> I couldn't see my keys and I needed my hotkeys for like my cooldowns and stuff. And I always thought about getting one of those like razor light up mm-hmm. like LED ones. And then I'm looking like, oh, hundred bucks for a keyboard? No, exactly. No. That's why I'm like, oh, this one says it's LED, and I'm like, oh, three it areas has a light on the side. It has lights on it somewhat, and does, it has lights on its like logo, and that's about it. So, but whatever, you know, it's it works. But the mouse looks good too. Like it's got like the hot keys on the side mm-hmm. there. It's uh, I don't game enough to actually make it. Well, you have all those games. I do you have all the Steam. games, but they don't work. But he also has the Steam controller, so it's, he doesn't yeah. really use the mouse. So it's like so most of them are. Yeah, I usually use a controller instead. And speaking lazy. of something I lit up about, uh, it's our next beer. Oh, this was a uh, happy birthday. Uh, this is something that I I saw and I was like, I have to buy this for Paul for his birthday. And this is the barrel aged Three Philosophers. From Omegang Brewery. Uh, this is 11.4%. This is the 2016 vintage. Um, I'm not exactly sure when this came out. I think it was around winter time, but it was a brewery exclusive. Mm. You can only pick these up um, at the brewery from what I saw. And this is very disappointing. I was expecting so much from this, a barrel-aged version of Three Philosophers, yeah. which already is a really big beer. And it, it has, like, the Three Philosophers nose to it. Like, I mm-hmm. smell it, and I'm like, okay, like, this is, like, a different version of that, as everyone mm-hmm. takes a sniff. But then as soon as you sip, it's got the, 
like the tight Belgian like bubbles to it. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of like that Belgian yeast on the back, like that kind of banana y but it's thin. Yeah, it's it's it washes away really quick. No I, flavor. Again, this is actually brewed at the brewery in Oh My Gang. This one is brewed and bottled at Boulevard Brewing Company, Kansas City, Missouri. Mm. Whoa. So we were just talking about that before. About also, uh, they're also owned by Duval. Mm. Makes sense. Uh, this, yeah, no, it's Three Philosophers is one of the ones that I, one of the beers that I kind of, it's a guilty pleasure beer. I really enjoy it. I'm enjoying this. It does have that little bit of hint of cherry, unlike yeah. the regular Three Philosophers, which is just when you pour it, it's like straight red. It's like blood red. And also, uh, this one is darker. And since it's not that blood red, you don't get as, it's kind of, uh, apropos because you don't get as much cherry flavor off of it as well. Uh, I do get a little hint of that. Both of them are heavy alcohol flavor when you open them up. This one, I do get a little bit of that oakiness from the bourbon barrel, but not. I don't know. See, Three Philosophers on its own has like that sweetness to mm-hmm. it. That that alone, barring like the alcohol from mm-hmm. it, like that sweetness alone makes it kind of like a sipper. Where you're like, mm-hmm. ooh, like mm-hmm. you savor it, and then you're like, I'm gonna go back. Mm-hmm. This it, it just kind of it falls flat. Like it, I don't want to say it's watery, but like it just it washes it's, over your tongue, and yeah. you get like some hint of flavor, but <laughs> it's thin. If you hold it on your tongue, you don't get any flavor at all. It's only as the first sip and the aftertaste. I keep drinking it oh. just because I'm waiting for yeah. Flavor Town, and I'm not getting it. And that, I, I honestly am like, Meh, I don't. I, it's it's not. I, I don't want to say it's not bad, but it's just there's nothing to it that makes me be like I <laughs> I dislike it. Like cause, yeah. I get a little caramel aftertaste with that. I think you're making that up. No, I'm getting that. You got a cold. You don't know. You got a cold. <clears throat> I do have a, I have a cold, but I mean, there's nothing. <clears throat> I appreciate the thought because you know, three philosophers. Yeah, is one of my you favorites. Love barreled, you love barrel. You love beers. I took it as a personal offense like three episodes ago when you're like, I would drink this over three. I was like, three philosophers is your shit, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk down about that. Now having this. Uh, would you rather drink the other one? I would rather I would drink the red, like the regular the yeah. philosophers, but yeah. Well, thank you for they were thinking about me, though. I appreciate it, on that. paper. It's yeah. it seems oh, yeah. like it, it, perfect Paul beer. It crosses off all the checklists, check marks, exactly. and yet all the parts do not uh, equal. And it just it just falls flat, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, what doesn't fall flat, or is our comic books that we're reading for? This That's week? not true. <laughs> And that's going to head us into our main topic, which, as we said before, this is our look back for books that came out in April 2017. Uh, something that I was really looking forward to was the next part of the Amory Wars story. Um, and this is written by Claudio Sanchez, the lead singer slash guitarist from the bad Coheed and Cambria. Oh, which one is he? The lead singer-songwriter. He's the one of the guy who, like, So he's neither Coheed or Cambria? No, he's Claudio. Oh. He's the guy with the big hair. The guy with the big oh, hair, which... Okay. Claudio is in the book, but it's a it's a different character. Well, it might be his same hair, except now it's braided. It could be. Yeah. Uh, but this is basically the story that he always wanted to tell, but didn't have the means to. So he started a band to tell the ongoing story of Coheed and Cambria, Kilgannon, and their child, Claudio, who is going to live on and uh, either ruin or save the universe. And we're literally jumping in in the middle of the story now. 
this has been going on for a while. He's done miniseries. He's done original graphic novels. You need to read all of them to jump into this. I thought it would be a little bit more accessible. Uh, this number one coming out from Boom Studios. It's mm-hmm. kind of jumped around. He had his own comic book imprint before with Evil Inc. Then I want to say it was at Image or IDW. It was another of the bigger small press. It feels companies. like an IDW book or even an Oni press kind of thing. And now here we are at Boom. Um, the story is by Claudio, uh, written by Chandra Eckert, who is actually his wife. Hmm. So he came up with the story. His wife wrote the script. Uh, art by Regs Morales, which I think is a really good get for this book. Um, I've bought a lot of the other Coheed Cambria comics, but I kind of dropped off because the artwork just wasn't there. Um, you can tell, I mean, even from reading this issue or hearing the premise of it, he's got a lot of big ideas that just didn't make their way to the page properly. Morrison. He, he got Grant Morrison. <clears throat> and I feel like this is a better representation of what he wants to do. But if you were to just jump into it, not having a knowledge of what happened in the comics before or the knowing, uh, knowing a growing story from the band's lyrics, because every single song that they write is actually part of the story. And you'll see kind of a crossover in the mm-hmm. lyrics and what people say. It's all a common thread. Like it all picks up on everything else. It's not the best thing to jump into. So, guys, I'm I'm sorry. It just felt like <clears throat> a uh, comic book that I've read before, which is, oh, is he going insane or is this stuff actually happening to him? Oh, he has to take his medication, but he's off his medication. Well, and the parts that you, you read were it's the guy talking to his girlfriend, Erica. That's, that's the writer of the story. That's mm-hmm. Claudio Sanchez, not Cla- Claudio Coganon. Uh that's him like inserting himself into the story and then the story he's creating is kind of overtaking his life mm-hmm. as he's as he's telling it and then there's which the you, other see, you see like glimpses of that mm-hmm. and he's not even sure what's real or because he's sl- slipping in and out and Rex Morales saves this book oh it, it's a it looks so much better than the rest <laughs> of the books that they've done if a lesser artist was on this I would be like okay I would get two three pages into it and be like no I'm done I'm I'm okay, but Rex Morales kept me going through because I, I didn't even recognize it. it was his art though. But it was good I think, art. Uh, I did think some of it. Book- some of it's like, it loses him in the coloring, but it's still there in like the faces. Yeah, it's um, heavily inked. It's heavily washed out. But dark colors. That's yeah. one thing I, I, I as soon as I started reading this was like, man, the art is really good. I didn't even think to check if it was a big name artist on it. I just thought it was uh, an up and comer. It's it's a boom book. You wouldn't expect to have to check that. Um, I do enjoy that Mumra the Undying is the yeah. villain. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then and Paul also goes. Well, I think those robots look like Cylons too. Yeah. Those. So he's got a Cylon that's kind of hooked up to a wall that is trying to repair the House Atlantic. House Atlantic is their uh, spaceship. Oh, okay. I thought that was their treehouse. Uh, and I had to run quick because they're behind me. Hey, that's that's from the song Blood Red Summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I can see if you are immersed in the story where this would be good. Someone jumping on, and I've heard Coheed and Cambria. I've gone to a Coheed and Cambria concert. I enjoy their music. I've never really sat down to really figure out what the lyrics are for songs to know exactly where the story is going. Um, it's If you are in that world, pick this book up. 
It's um, cool to see those songs brought to life in a different way besides just seeing mm-hmm. the band perform them live. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you are not part of that world, I would not say to pick this book. I was, you know, I've always thought that Coheed and Cambria was, you know, one of the songs that you play before the Sabres go on a power yeah. play. Welcome Home. That was and, a power uh, play song for like two years, <laughs> two seasons. So I was, I'm very surprised that there was an overarching story that has nothing to do with hockey. It's so sci-fi and just like grandiose and it's awesome. Like, it's that high sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't even mention it, but the blue character, Ambelina, is basically an angel who burned off her wings to become, like, quote-unquote, human to help guide Claudio into his his purpose of saving the universe. But there's other forces that are trying to push him into yeah. Being the cl- going the other way. The blade of the god. The crowing. The crow- and, and controlling the crowing. And, yeah, in the art you see her. Yeah, you see, like, the, the nubs. Uh, the do- the dogma-style uh, wings. It's... Uh, I, I wish it had been a little bit more approachable, and I wish you could kind of, like, see more of him and be like, oh, no, this is cool. But you are literally, like, diving into, like, the middle, like, three quarters of the story at this point, it seems. that. Yeah, but if this book had a bunch of, like, exposition and explana- explaining everything, it, it, I would have... way like, too dense at that point, yeah. yeah. Like, even, but like, you, had, you had room for it. There's room for it, but even like the beginning paragraph, like on the the um, artist and like creator credits page, I feel like you need another page to explain that because like it, it throws you so into the deep end right off the bat. And I can't fault the book for this because the only people that are probably going to be buying this book are fans of the band, and it's something great for them to like pick up, or they can sell the trade paperbacks at their like their shows, that kind of thing, because. This isn't a vanity project for him. He, he's just a dude that loves sci-fi and comic books and wanted to tell a story, and now he has the means to do that. The one thing that I think happened because it's a Boom Studios book, uh, suddenly women have no nipples. Like, during that well, one that's, scene. That's that's Ambelina. That's the prize who was the angel. That well, no, no, but they even show uh, Erica, and she doesn't have any. I think she's kind of like scene. in shadowed at that point. Yeah, yeah. she's. You, she, you don't even. No, you don't even uh, see them because they're not. Uh, I thought there was this. No, no. It's just her as the angel. Okay. Her as the angel, no. and she has. Okay, that's right. That woman has no nipples. <laughs> um, I, I think if you're a fan of this book, you will enjoy it. I don't recommend jumping into this if you are anyone else because. There's not enough there to kind of pull you into the story. Like, if you have some frame of reference from the band and you like Cody and Cambria or his side project, uh, Prize Fighter Inferno, which Inferno is another one of the characters in the story. Right. Though, that, like, they, he's only done two albums for that. That's telling the side story of another character, the KBI, the Knowledge of the Beast and Inferno is um, Co- uh, Coheed Kilgannon, his wife Cambria, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Jesse, who's the prize fighter, known as Inferno, was uh, Coheed's brother. Like, okay, it's so fucking deep and yeah. entrenched in its own mythology that you just can't step into it. So again, every once in a while, sorry. <laughs> like Kate and I, for uh, when we got married, there was a "We Will Rock You." It was the the, the uh, musical, the musical, yeah. all set to the Queen's uh, Queen's discography. And we read the. We're like, oh, we love Queen. Like, yeah, we we would love to see a musical based on Queen's music. And then when we read the you know synopsis for it, it's like, oh, in the future, 
rock and roll and all music is is outlawed and the evil queen B is the killer queen uh, is out to get anybody that picks up any kind of instrument and it's, it's that kind of like oh yeah it's over the top sci-fi but it's not going to be any good so we like ah, we're, we're, we just won't go see that I think you made a good choice yeah and I kind of feel the same way about this comic book it's like over the top sci-fi to try to get in all these desperate disparate uh, ideas together in one book and I don't think it's going to work for me maybe because I'm not so deep into it uh, yeah, I, I think a little bit of it, and um, it's not like walking into the middle of Star Wars and then watching the rest of the movie and like having a hard time playing catch up. This is like walking into the middle of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Like three seasons have already shown. You're halfway through season four, and all, then the, you start, all the characters have already been established. Yeah. They've gone through shit. And then you start mm-hmm. watching it, and you're like, well, I don't get this show. This doesn't make any sense. Like, It's something that you needed to have been there from the beginning. And I, I, that's not a fault to the book. That's a fault to... Me for bringing it to the table. Yes, it's, you know, and for us reading it. So I don't, I don't feel like I can judge this at all. Mm-hmm. And, and just what I had said earlier is... If you are not a fan of the music or know the history or the story, don't pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are and you're like, oh, man, they did that. Oh, I'm going to pick it up. Yes, do. Right. There's a whole, like, original graphic novel that's following the writer dealing with, like, his personal demons trying to write this story that's centered around the, uh, which album was it? And keeping secrets of Sion Earth like Volume Three, like it, it's it's out there. But good on you, Claudio, for like wrestling this and like having the ability to like bring it to life. Um, <clears throat> and that'll take us over to our next book. This is Secret Empire Number Zero, written by uh, Nick Spencer. Uh, string him up, land him, Nazis, comic books. Uh, and then it's art by Daniel Akua. Akuna? Akuna. Akuna. Uh, who's gotten a lot better over the years. Like, before, it's, he was so yeah, washed it, out and so, like, watercolory. Like, so his lines weren't solid at all. Like, these are... I really enjoyed the art in this book. Uh, yeah, he stepped up a lot. the prologue artist <coughs> is uh, Rod Rees. Hmm. Uh, here we have, basically, uh, the telling of what would happen if Captain... if. I'm not even sure which one is the actual. Well, here's the thing. First before, world like, really, before people flip their shit. Yes, a little, says, little backstory. It says, you know, there's a little pre thing, and then before the main story starts, Captain America's reality has been secretly rewritten. Shut up, internet, for going crazy. They're telling you right there. Yeah. It's been rewritten. So just let the story unfold. And, and that Marvel even put out a press release saying, like, hey, no. We understand you're upset, you're displeased. Read the book. Like it, this is going somewhere. We're telling a story here, and you. This is literally like chapter one of that story. You still have six more chapters to go to see where things happen. This has to be Captain America <clears throat> finding his his way back. And we saw a lot of this with the Captain America series that launched a few months ago. We mm-hmm. talked about issue number one here on the show. Find that in, in the look back. Um, but where we're at now, it's like four months later, we already know Captain America is like a secret Hydra plant. Because, like you said, 
his history's been rewritten to him. Everyone mm-hmm. knows who Captain America is, but when he was de-aged by Kobik, who is a sentient cosmic cube, mm-hmm. she, like she rewrote his history to make him think he's always been a member of Hydra, and that's what we saw in the pages of Captain America number one until whatever one right now, like mm-hmm. six or seven. Uh, the thing is, with this prologue, you're already seeing his real history is like flashing in front of him. Like he's starting to remember who he is, not just as Captain America, but as Steve Rogers. But it's always like, no, don't pay attention to that. They're going to lie to you. And like, yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah. who are these people? Why am I fighting with the Avengers? Like, no, nah, don't mind that. But, because the allies have got the cosmic cube and they're trying to rewrite your history again, Steve. And the thing is like, the people that are getting upset about this are the people that are reading the articles about it mm-hmm. not, that don't put it into into the perspective. They're not seeing the story. They're just being told, like, nope, Captain America's he's a Nazi now. And they're, like, mad about that. And I'm sorry. Just You need to read the book in order mm-hmm. to be able to, to voice come, a continue, continue to it. Opinion because, on. yeah, it's, it's shitty that, you know, this is Captain America, but that's taking a step out of the story. That was the hook for it. It's like, no, what happens when the most trusted person in Marvel Comics is secretly a villain? Like, how do how does everyone around him deal with that? Mm-hmm. That's what makes it an interesting story. It's not the fact that he's a Nazi. It's like, oh, no, like we've, we've been betrayed. We never saw it coming. He's going to get better at the end of this. It's going to have fallout. We're going to see people not trusting Captain America for the next year because you know what? Mm-hmm. This has already been planned out. It's already been written. They're working towards the next thing that's going to be like 2018's big crossover. Guys, one rule now is if you're on the internet, don't tell them about Superman Red Sun. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell them about that. Well, it's They'll like lose when, their minds. It's like when people were... Superman's um, still a communist, right? That's still, yeah. that's still the thing? It's like when people were up in arms when they're like, oh, Spider-Man's um, dead yeah. and he's being taken over by a black kid. Like, people are going crazy. And I remember somebody at work coming up to me and saying, you know, like, my kids are really upset, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, your kid doesn't know shit. One, (laughs) that's not in the mainstream. That is in the ultimate universe, which your kid wasn't reading to begin with. (laughs) And that's where the story's going. So if your kid's not reading it anyways, he doesn't have the ability or, you know, he can be up in arms about it. But be an informed person to be up in arms about it know what's going on and read that person's story of why Peter died and what's going on with this new character. Uh, Superior Spider-Man. People were upset that Dr. Octopus took over for Peter Parker and he was just a stone cold like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I need to do. He shot a dude in the face. Mm -hmm. He killed a killer just to be like, no, like, why would I send him to jail? This dude's committed multiple murders. He has like everyone it was like in a train station held hostage he was going to start to kill people dr octopus as spider-man came in and was like no like we're not doing this shot the dude in the face went about his business because he was the superior spider-man like mm-hmm. that's that's how people were upset spider-man's killing people no it's dr octopus acting as spider-man mm-hmm. and guess what Longer story doesn't matter because now we have Peter Parker back as Spider-Man and we'll have Steve Rogers, born and bred, white bred American, coming back as Captain America whenever Secret Empire wraps up. Like that's how story arcs work. Well, even if they like all of a sudden like they almost split and the one reality of Steve Rogers 
the evil one <laughs> and then the good one are both in this universe, I think that'd be great. To have like an evil Steve Rogers running Hydra no almost map. like is the no is the, like the new Red Skull or a character like that and then having that Captain America good side like that would even be interesting. I would read a story about that. It just as much as I enjoyed reading this story. I, I really dug reading this. I bought this because it was like the first official part of the Secret Empire event. I usually don't keep up on the Marvel event books. I'll read the first one just because we talk about it here on the show. Because we've been left down by Siege and Fear yeah. Itself. Uh, well, we've we been let down for years. Yeah. Yeah. But after reading this one, I'm kind of like, oh, number one's already out. Mm-hmm. Two's coming out this week. Like I, I wouldn't mind reading this because the rest of this Zero issue is basically the Marvel Universe fighting a war on three fronts. Um, like Alpha Flight out in space. Mm-hmm. Like the street level characters in uh, New, York New York City, and then Iron Man and Riri Williams, kind of in the rest of the world, like covering stuff. And also, uh, Hydra has taken over a small former Soviet bloc country mm-hmm. that now has nuclear nuclear weapons at their disposal. So all of Shield's helicarriers, apparently there's a fleet of them, are heading there. And basically, what we get here is the prequels reorganization of the senate to give complete control to captain america who's now acting as emperor palpatine slash darth sidious and now that he has all the power he gets to make the final call on everything and now it's the time to take out the rest of the people that will be standing in his way uh which he has brilliantly tacticianed mm-hmm. uh i mean he got all the big cosmic people and one of it what to him his biggest threat captain marvel outside of the Earth, mm-hmm. and then put up a shield, then they can't get back in. And the Chitauri are <coughs> going to keep on sending wave after wave after wave. and Because um, they're apparently like bees, and yeah. the uh, Chitauri queen is on Earth somewhere. Getting all of the um, heroes in New York City all in one spot, and then putting up a dome where they can't get out of that. Like, the dark force field, or the dark dimension yeah. field, yeah. I mean, he's he's thought it all out. This issue one, uh, issue zero, we did issue zero of Secret Wars. Yeah. We all enjoyed it. The thing that kept us was, what was it, like a, was it four or five ninety nine price point mm-hmm. for those yeah. books? And also, we could see where it was going because they're like, oh, we killed She-Hulk. Eh, they're not really killing She-Hulk. Oh, we killed this person. Four ninety nine for issue one of Secret Empire. I feel like I got four ninety nine worth mm-hmm. out of this. Like that's the biggest thing with these kind of books is like after you buy it, you're like, I, I just spend that much to be able to talk about it on the show. I I really enjoyed this. Four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I'd pick up issue one. I kept thinking this book was gonna end, and then I'm like, yeah. oh, it keeps going. It's just I'm still getting more. And it was a good story. It's a character, <coughs> Steve Rogers, that I do care about. I mean, Captain America is not my favorite character, but I've read a lot of Captain America books. Oh, you read all the Brubaker stuff. Uh, the Brubaker stuff, <laughs> I really liked. Um, when um, somebody else picked up... Or, was that still Brubaker when um, Steve McNiven was writing it? Uh, doing the drawing? I don't know. I think, Paul, you bought those ones. I, uh, I bought them up until, okay. up until all of a sudden... Um, he was uh, old? 
McNiven dropped off like mid art in a book. I, I remember somebody else picked up. up. It was Epting was... with Brewbreaker quite for a long time. Yeah. Steve that, Epting, yeah, yeah, and also and it was split because he would go back and forth between present and and past. Yeah. You know, but like those those books and how Brewbreaker wrote Captain America made me a Captain America fan. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much to constantly keep picking up new things about Captain America, but when it's storylines I'm interested in. And this is definitely a great point for Captain America. This is great. He's a double agent. He's the thing that he's hated and fought the most. He is that now. Oh, my. <coughs> I I didn't even think about that part, like, getting into all this. Like, how is he going to feel coming out of it knowing, like, he's done terrible things? Like, Yeah. It, it, it's a great story. Don't let people <coughs> talk you out of reading. If you're one of those people that's just heard about it and you formed your own opinion... Check this book out. I know for Free Comic Book Day, which was yesterday. Hey, happy Free Comic Book Day, everyone! Uh, they actually had a special like Secret Empire, I don't know, like half or number one mm-hmm. issue that you could pick up. I, I want to check that out. Yeah. We were talking about uh, Free Comic Book Day yesterday. I need to see if it's available on Comicsology because I do want to know more of the story because I want to see where it goes in the scope of things. It's a Marvel crossover. I know it's not going to matter, like yeah, quote matter. Especially I, since cosmic cubes are involved, I, I want to see it though. Like it's it's that intriguing, and it's it's a great idea. Like you can't just turn a character like eh, ha- have him be evil without it seeming like force, but having it being rewritten by a cosmic cube. Like yeah, like it's so comic booky, but it works to put that character of Steve Rogers in that place. It's not any more hokey or any less hokey than Superboy punching the whatever yeah. reality wall. And the thing is, I'm not going to be upset. Let's say it all ends and the Cosmic Cubes just completely revert, so nothing, none of this actually happened. Like, they're able to go back in time. You see a big fight scene between the two, cap, like the two Captain Americas and the regular Captain America wins, and he wakes up in bed uh, the day before he says, ever says Hail Hydra in the next Spencer book. I'm not going to feel cheated, because I got a great story yeah. throughout. And... I think a lot of readers, we should put them on notice to be like, hey, this backlash might cause that to happen. Like, Marvel might decide to just hit the big reset button to, like, just Which, cleanly walk away. But to be honest, Marvel hits the reset button every five months. A yeah. new writer comes on, they go, okay, whatever you want, you know, don't worry about continuity or what happened before. So. And again, yeah, like, hey, he was old. You knew he was going to be young again. Hey, he mm-hmm. was dead. You knew he was coming back. Hey, he went bad. He's probably going to be coming back. Like, yeah. At least Marvel writes a bunch of stories out of it and gives you those, like, two years. It's, like, they give you two good years. <laughs> yeah. Like, Superior Spider-Man, it was two good years. Old Man Cap was, I think, almost two, two years. years. So they, they bleed those storylines dry. So don't be upset when it goes and, back. And think of it this way, too. They double ship everything, so that could be stretched out to four years <laughs> if they didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you you don't have a character that often where if they go bad, they are the complete opposite of what they've ever been. I mean, mm-hmm. Hell Jordan yeah. going to Parallax, killing off the Green Lanterns. Like, that's almost one of the only ones that really come to mind when you have somebody who's actually... Spider-Man becoming Doc Ock. 
But that was Doctor Octopus. But that was that wasn't okay. that wasn't Peter going bad. Mm-hmm. That was somebody else taking over his body. Yeah. That's true. That we got Phoenix becoming <coughs> the Dark Phoenix. But it was and also again, a cosmic entity taking over yeah. Jean Grey. Okay. So, you know, you're not all of a sudden going to have Batman turn into the Joker, you know? Right. It's it's one of those things. You'll have Batman get injured and then someone else steps into the Batman role who has a harsher brand of justice. Mm-hmm. With Ezra, like, and guess what happened? After that story arc was over, Bruce Wayne was back as Batman. They, they know what they're doing, people. They've Comic books like this have been coming out. Captain America just celebrated 75 years. Like, they... They know how to handle this character. I don't even want to say to get him back on track, mm-hmm. but to get him back to who he is and who he needs to be to still be Captain America. And this is, I mean, they even say, like, in the book, like, without having, like, emotion or empathy, this is the cold technicianer who's orchestrating taking over the world. Like, and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, damn. Like, all of a sudden when they said that and you start seeing, like people grouped here, people in space, people doing that, you're like, mm-hmm. oh man, he separated everybody, he's grouped them together, and he's locking them all out. Uh, the one thing I have to say, it's all boiling down, you're seeing it, it's going to be <coughs> Iron Man versus Captain America again, because now yeah, Iron Man is rallying. Iron, Man, Iron Man's in the know. He's he's rallying the troops together all at the, in DC, so you, which will be a great climax to the story. No, this is a Marvel Comics book. Oh... Uh. Four ninety nine. That, that was a Paul joke. Four ninety nine. I think it's worth what you're getting out of this book. Mm-hmm. And I would, if you didn't continue picking it up, I would. I, I think I'm I'm gonna pick up like at least like number one and two because two yeah, see how it's and out. at least it's coming out in those numbered series and not you know oh, this yeah. huge breakdown at the end. There, it was like, oh my goodness, how many books do I have to but read? But then it's like, I'm oh, like, oh it's, no, no, there's, it's, a, there's the overarching. Yeah, I'm good. there's the overarching <laughs> one, and then it's those issues with characters mm-hmm. who would have emotional response to Captain America going evil. So you have the Sam Wilson book, you have the Thunderbolts book, which it looks like it's the Bucky mm-hmm. uh, book. Um, so yeah, it, you just need to read The Secret Empire. That's all and, you should read. It's something about... Uh, I was kind of trying to say... Talking about like, years there was, there was such an like an opening with Paul saying, like, oh, like this is worth whatever you paid for it. I was going to be like, and speaking of something else that was worth whatever we paid for it, uh, from Ithaca Beer Company, their Excelsior Old Habit, and this is a malt beverage that has been aged in oak barrels. Uh, John, you picked this up five years ago now. Yeah, 2012. Uh, you, you and I, we, we, this we is both, one of ours. This is probably, like, one of yours. I honestly don't even remember, like... This is older than some what? kids that are running around yeah, that we yeah. know. We, we picked this up in 2012. We've been sitting on it since. Um, a malt beverage aged in oak barrels. It's a robust American ale brewed with four different rye malts and fresh centennial and crystal hops, <clears> and then partly fermented in whiskey barrels and then carefully blended. Um, this was like a one-off that they came up, out with at Ithaca. We picked this up at the same time as we picked up. It had to be like the 13th uh, anniversary one. This was... Uh, fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. When we so that was the up, that was the brown rye one. Yes. Yeah. So we had the rye and then this <sighs> because we loved fourteen yeah, so okay. much that we had the black the IPA. Old, we yeah. had it at the old brewery. Remember, we picked this up at the new brewery. Yeah, it was like they had the new tasting. Yeah. Um, we had this two years ago actually on the show when you guys came to Michigan to visit me for a beercation. I think we had it 
two years before that because the only other time I've checked into it was in 2013. Yeah. Which I'm assuming was for the show. We Don't. had, um, we bought, I think between the two of us, we bought five bottles. Because yeah, we also bought the 15. The 15, which I think we probably bought like four or five bottles of that yeah. too then. I think what happened was like you bought three bottles of 15 and two bottles of Old Habit. I know, you bought more Old Habit. And I, I bought did. three Old Habit and like two of the other one because it's like, well, we're going to like it, but we don't, I don't know, we're spending a, <laughs> spending a lot of money on mm-hmm. these. I think we spent like each of us like $75. On all those beers. Plus, we got like food and drinks when we were yes. at the bar there too. Uh, this is probably going back like one of the oldest beers that we've had mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. aging. Though. I think definitely with it being five years old. Uh, and also, I think probably like pound for pound, like the best beer visit we made anywhere. Because even going back, like some of the KBS that we've had, like yeah. it's hit that point. We're like going yeah, back to the crank it, the other Ithaca, like when we had the fourteen, like four years later, we're like we should have drank this before mm-hmm. when it was what it was uh, uh this though this is definitely held up um i imagine it is very different than what we had mm-hmm. three two yeah, you don't no. like it i don't remember it i yeah. don't remember i just know i like it now i, like I remember it, now. it being a lot goodness. more rye mm. um, there, there's still that kind of like rye dryiness like i just mm-hmm. feel like i ate a piece of rye bread <clears> like <throat> well we did we ate a bunch of rye bread oh that's right we did uh, it's a honey sweetness, but it's got that tartness where it puckers me up right in the back there. Yeah. Right in the back aftertaste. And then it's that dark, rich, raisiny kind of. Yeah. I, lo- I love that sweet on the back. Mm-hmm. I brought up another bottle because I was like, well, if this hasn't aged, and it's just, it had a cap with a just a plastic seal over it. So I was like, this may not have aged really well. Mm-hmm. Who knows where this beer is going to be at? Um, but yeah, and this is come a long way delicious it still is it's held up it's Mm -hmm. it's great and the reason i thought like oh we still have it because chris asked me about the latest one like oh ithaca's uh anniversary 19 or 20 or whatever i don't even know where it'd be at now you know how is it and i was like not good they didn't do anything good and then we started talking about these and i was like i think we still got one in the basement so uh hey good on you ithaca Kind of sad that this year's anniversary didn't uh, didn't turn out, but just prove this again. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about uh, dusting things off. How about having X Men teams again? Like uh, I don't know, a blue team, a gold team, uh, much like what we're reading next. Uh, we're loading up what uh, X Men. You you pick whichever one you want to do. You're starting it off. Uh, which which one's the Kitty Pride one? Uh, that's gold. Okay, let's go with X Men Gold, which I thought was the better of uh, the two. I, I'm uh, I'm of two minds. Over I strongly this. disagree. Wow, this, this is is this it, so, something like, I really wanted I, to wait, talk about. Stop. Did you like this one because Kitty Pride was giving an in, given an invoice and then she had a bill to pay? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Real world ramifications. <coughs> this is the most kind of like classic X Men of the books. Um, we read X Men Prime number one last month for our monthly look back. That kind of set the stage for the upcoming mm-hmm. Marvel mutant universe. Um, just letting you know who's going to be where, what that book's going to be. And right now, this is the Kitty Pride led X Men Gold team, which has Old Man Logan. Prestige, who is Rachel Summers. It's she just has Lame a different cold name yep. now. Uh, Colossus, Storm, and Nightcrawler. And this is like the most X Men of the books, and I say mm-hmm. that because 
a lot of this seemed so derivative sounds bad, but so based in that X-Men culture where, oh, they're outside playing baseball. Yep. Like, here, here they are saddled with the bill. Like, there's so much of that, like, minor politics and, and family to the book. And it's also Kitty Pride coming home to the team yet again. Again, yeah. Which has happened, like, three or four different times. Uh, so, you know, it felt like... Just a worse done Astonishing X-Men. No mm-hmm. offense, but... No, it, it, it is. It's great. Yeah. Uh, this one, it's just because it's now even more saddled with all the recent history of X-Men versus Inhumans War and, you know, M-Day. Unlike Astonishing X-Men, which seemed like a clean start, this is a very mired in the X-Men universe start again. Uh, and... But at least it's at least it's in it, unlike X Men Blue, which is like still mired in everything, but it's trying to sidestep it all. I, but it felt because I, 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 I read this one first, mm-hmm. and as did I. I. I feel like I got more enjoyment out of X Men Blue than I did this, even though I don't care about the original X Men team yeah. that's been like time jumped to now. Everything about this team, like it sounds great. It's Kitty Pride now leading the X Men. Mm-hmm. It's a great team because I love Nightcrawler and Classes. I think Old Man Logan brings something great to this book. He's just like the surly old man who's hanging out with Kitty Pride again. Uh, but then, like, where she's going to like phase the building through because like a building's collapsing, and she's like, "I can do this." And everyone's like, "What can you do?" This? And it's like she phased an entire gigantic planet-sized bullet through the Earth before, and then they do make reference to that later. So I'm like. Okay, well, why didn't she like kind of play it cooler before? She's like, no, remember, like, mm-hmm. I saved everybody by doing this. Like, it, it's not a a bad book. I, I just I, wondered what happened with that building when she unfazed because it was through another building. building. But then again, like you know, it's just. Uh, I, I did enjoy this, but not to the level I want. I want to like this as much as I liked Astonishing X Men back when Joss Whedon mm-hmm. launched that book like eight years ago now it, it just it didn't hit that point even though again like the three philosophers on paper this should have uh hit those notes uh we didn't say this before written by mark guggenheim art by adrian sith mm-hmm. i know guggenheim we got guggenheim over here I, I he's the name that i should no longer trust to give me a good book but man he's called up all the time to do these kind of books where like no no you can tell your own story as long as it ties into everything else that's it going on seems like he's trying too hard to fit all the history into this book seeing as we got eight pages at the back uh, explaining all the history yeah. in the book <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, like, you... It wasn't eight pages, but still. No, it felt. was probably at least, like, four pages. It was a lot. I didn't even bother reading it all. I, I started reading, and I was like, oh, it just keeps going. And so they're like, here's this character. Here's who they came from. Like, and also, remember, guys, we already know the recap of how uh, Colossus met uh, Kitty. Shadow Cat, Kitty Pride. You're welcome. Because... <laughs> Six pages. The... Oh, X-Men team coming together to fight something in the beginning of this book, I was like, okay, yeah. Calling out commands, the team following the orders, they're doing everything they're requested to. And they feel like requested a well machine. Yes. And then, you know, and then, okay, you got Kitty Pride talking to the people on the streets like, yeah, hey, you know, a lot of shit before about the X-Men, but hey, we just saved the city. Give us a break. Let us... Be the heroes that we can be, 
And then you have the team playing baseball. And then she gets invoiced and it's like, you need to pay $18 million. And then it's like, and then I'm just like, why is it even there? Like, they really need this over their head with this book. And then it shows, like, Katie Pride, like, at a desk with stacks of paper next to her. And she's, like, looking at them, like, with a calculator trying to, like, do the calculations. And I'm like, well, this is just dopey. She runs the school. Or gifted students. She needs to she's, out. Like, she's like, I don't even know how Charles did all of this. Well, he's you know, like, he's, he, yeah. he made people think he made those bills. <laughs> yep. But it's like, just look, I mean, just look at that yeah. thing. And she's got these huge stacks. Yeah, she's trying to figure out how much to actually charge for tuition now. Uh, it's just, you know, but then you have some Danger Room stuff. And it's like, okay, Danger Room. And then the book ends where I want the mid and last portion of this book to really be is the, this new X-Men team fighting the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Who are the old, like, new mutants, because it's Magma. It's, it's the Earthquake is there, but so is Magma, who's a new, who was a new mutant. Um, and who else was there that um, I recognize? Despero. Not Despero. Who's oh. the one new gods that wears the purple robe? Desaad? Desaad. That's, <laughs> that's the like Desaad's there. Okay, or, or was isn't that uh, the one that can kind of see into the future destiny or something? No, be no. from the Brotherhood. I don't know, but it looks like it's, Av- a, it's an all new Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. So but who it looks knows like Avalanche. Yeah, yeah, it Avalanche. looks like Pyro yeah. and some it's sort like of Sauron or someone like that. This, it's another lizard person. This book, I feel, is too bogged down with X Men history and trying to encapsulate all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I liked Blue more, because it's the X-Men team, it's a young X-Men team, and they're kind of hitting the hits with this. Like, mm-hmm. they're up against Black Tom and Juggernaut in it. Oh, okay, we're over into X-Men yeah, Blue. Well, I think, good, yeah. not, not no, I think, there, I think but, this is a good, it's a good mm-hmm. point to jump, because, I mean, to talk about one, we kind of have to talk about the other, because they both came out yeah. the same month, they're both number ones, Blue Team, Gold Team, like... Let's mm-hmm. talk about it because here we X Men Blue number one written by Colin Bunn art by uh, Jorge Molina who did the A Force book like mm. a okay. year and a half ago that I really dug. Uh, I have no interest in the X Men Blue team at all because like I said before it's the time displaced X Men. Now they're stuck in our time. Mm-hmm. They're completely different from who they were. Beast is learning magic. Yeah, which was really weird. Archangel has like cosmic fire wings. Yeah. But that that doesn't matter. That's just kind of who these characters are now. And we're jumping into a teenage X-Men book, and they run into two of the X-Men's oldest villains, literally going back to like X-Men number like two or three. And, uh, and now they're trying to deal with it because, mm-hmm. well, they know who we are, but they don't know what we're going to do because we're not them. Right. Uh, I had a lot of fun reading this book, more than I thought I was actually going to. Uh, uh, me as well. Because I, I cared very little for this X-Men team book. Uh, what, like, six months ago when the X-Men team books were announced again and it was this team in a van taking a road trip, I was like, well, who would care about that? That seemed more fun than what's happening now, which they're out having a battle, and there's a little bit of character explanation for each. But, you know, you still got Psych as a sad sack Psych. Yeah. Uh, because that's who his character is. You got the impulsive Iceman, 
uh, that's going to complain and whine about everything. And then you got Beast, who's just kind of a dick. I think Beast has always been a dick, and we've just never really noticed. Because we like oh, Beast. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. What I liked about this is yeah. I see this Beast going the way of Dark Beast, mm-hmm. and I'm like kind of looking forward to this guy turning into a villain. I don't know if that's just me, but I was just oh. like... Because well, he's he, time displaced himself. Yeah. And the, the, everybody kind of blames this Beast as well, because they're he's... His adult, quote unquote, adult version is the one that brought them there, but he kept he kept on trying to like defend it, being like, "No, it wasn't actually me, guys. That's I won't be that guy." But now he's just like settling in and being, "Ah, buckle up. I'm going to do what I have to do." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You sound a lot like the beast that uh, that time displaced you guys." Well, even a uh, Colos- or not Colossus, sorry, Cyclops calls him out. He's like, "No, you you sent the bad guys to hell." And he's like, "No, I sent them." to Siberia mm-hmm. but, but they went through hell to get there like <laughs> right, yeah. it's it, it's kind of played for a laugh but yeah you can definitely see him being a little bit darker uh, and then at the very end we get the big reveal that who are they actually working for bum 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 Magneto which I thought was weird coming out of X-Men Prime which was like they were sneaking away in the middle of the night like they were going to do what they had to do as a team as a, and all of a sudden no they have backing and like all the support from Magneto like were they sent an invitation? Like, hey, come to my new lair at Manipur. I, I feel like it's not like a huge reveal that they're working with Magneto. Not that Magneto's been working alongside the X-Men for like the past 10, 12 years, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's been like it... He's been on the team. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not a huge, like, whoa, last page reveal. Like, I mean, maybe for these characters, it's strange because they're fresh. Like, Magneto's always been the villain, and now they're... No, like he's he's not that bad, bad. Like his years have kind of you know whittled him down. He's worked alongside the X Men more than he's probably worked against them at this point. And this is also Magneto is a character that Colin Bunn has been. He wrote the Magneto. Well, yeah, he's been writing for a long time. But like when you get to that last page and you see like Hell's Fires Club, the Black Tom, it's like hey, this might be these young guys going through their greatest hits. like Is that who's who of like X-Men villains? Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm like, okay, I didn't like the reveal of Magneto. It it, it underwhelmed me because I was like, oh. I wanted to see what Magneto. these teen kids did by themselves, like trying yeah. to find their own way. Without like that, having that a, Magneto forced to do it. But then at the same time, make, or Professor X or an old psych. Yeah. Magneto guiding these guys through the greatest hits, and then for them to realize that they need to turn on Magneto, it might be cliched, but it's like ah, I kind of would read that. Yeah, you get on a roller coaster knowing where it's going to end. Yeah, and this is a roller coaster that you obviously know where it's going to end, but you still want to go on that ride. Yeah, and you know you're Except hoping me, you're hoping for that loop de loop. You know you're hoping for those those certain things. So I'm not going to read. Mm-hmm. Issue two. If you bought it, I would, but I'm not like ooh, ooh. I'm not I would actively bu- going out and being like, mm, I gotta read this. I'd buy it on sale, like just to kind of like to see where it goes. Like if it goes down to two bucks, like yeah, you know what? Slow week. I'll pick like the next two or three issues of this up just to have something to read. I would buy volume one at four ninety nine for the yeah, like on sale for, on sale for the first volume to read this. Yeah. Other than that, I would not actively watch for the price to drop or anything like that for it. I mean, Maybe that's why I enjoyed Gold more than Blue, because I like that last page reveal of the 
New Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and part of the team were the old New Mutants. Like, oh, how did they turn evil? Versus Magneto, who's kind of like, oh, him again. It, it, if Magneto and I had... even get the Magneto with the orange, yeah. uh, or the purple, the, the big, like the, the big lettering with this very spiky M. Yeah, it's Magneto, like in his. Uh, trademark font. I feel like if we haven't had Magneto as that kind of like Less good guy to like the gray existing between mm-hmm. the black and white, like this might have been like a whoa shit Magneto. But at this point, I was like, oh, it's Magneto. Like he he led an X Men team like last year. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, I would have been more shocked if it was Emma Frost. Uh, I don't remember if it was in. Like, I'd been more shocked if it was Forge. Oh crap! We forgot Ooh, Forge would have been cool because of. Uh, the whole time looping thing that Forge can do too, or if it was Cable or Bishop. We forgot about like the last like kind of couple pages of this, which is uh, oh the Wolverine, like, yeah the Wolverine fight like the Wendigo, like mm-hmm. Canadian Wilds, and then there's like the the teaser of, like more things to come, and you see some of Papa Claus against X Men Blue, the new uh, the new generation X teams there. We get like <laughs> the villains from the X Men. Uh, series like where it was like the X Men from the future coming back it was like the Battle of the Atom crossover, which like the Dark Beast, Deadpool, uh, like Charles Xavier. Like it's it's cool, and like, <laughs> I don't know if it was X Men nope. Blue or X Men Gold, where like the writer does like a hey, here's where our letter counts will be, but then someone does mention like Emma Frost, where's she at? Like so, oh. we'll probably be getting her mm-hmm. in something, which I think X Men Blue would be a, a cool spot for her, just because at this point in their like histories, like the young X Men team, they don't, they don't know Emma Frost. Like mm-hmm. she had a thing with Cyclops, like that would probably blow his weak, fragile little like teenage psych mind. Oh, I see what you did there. Just a psychic. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like psychic. Blue more than Gold. Even even Gold's the book that I really want to enjoy as an X Men fan. It has some of my favorite X Men characters mm-hmm. on it. Um. Spoilers, we'll probably be talking about Generation X and the next look back because it's a team led by Jubilee and it's all those young characters that they introduced. Is in Chamber the, in there as well? It, I think Chamber's in there. I saw someone doing like art for Chamber recently. I don't remember who it was. I don't know. He's he a Generation just, X character that wears a scarf because his mouth Yeah, is, no, I had the toy. Yeah. I thought he was oh. kick-ass. Okay. He looked I like, used I, the, I'm looking forward to that book. I don't know I if I had I'll, a subscription to Generation X when it came out in the late 90s. I don't know if I'll pick up like the uh, Weapon X book because again it's an X-Men team that I just I have nothing vested in mm-hmm. like Lady Deathstrikes like Sabretooth like I would pick up the Cable book that's going to be coming out just to check that out um I'm sure they did one of those like checklists in the back of this book I don't remember what else was coming out uh yeah. so you have Cable Generation X there's a Jean Grey book uh Iceman Old Man Logan and then Astonishing X-Men which is Sanishing and an all new Wolverine, Astonishing X Men, Rogue, Old Man Logan, Charles Mystique, oh. Archangel, someone else I can't see, Cable, Phantom X. It, w- it won't let me like zoom in on it. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah Phantom well, X and Bishop is the other one. Oh, I know. Oh, and Sonic Gambit. Okay, Astonishing X Men looks kind of like a cool team actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I might pick up Astonishing X Men number one. And we were worried that they uh, were going to kill off the X Men all of six months ago. <laughs> And now there's more X-Men books than there are Avengers books again. And all is right with the Marvel Universe. It's only taken 15 years. Um, no, it, do, no, it's not. Remember we talked about uh, the Captain America book? Do you, <laughs> do you want to do 
power rankings? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, There's only four books, but... Yeah. I would go X-Men Gold. Uh, what was the third book? Uh, the Secret? Oh, uh, Secret Empire, number one. X-Men Gold, number two. X-Men Gold, or Blue, number three. And then uh, the Coheed and Cambria book um, being the last one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would do Secret Empire, Blue, then Gold. Hmm. I would do Secret Empire. As a Coheed and Cambria fan, I'd probably do... That one next because well, I do want to see more. You're immersed in the stories. You've read the other stories. So. Then, then blue and gold. If I wasn't and I just kind of mm-hmm. had to read them fresh, Secret Empire, blue, gold, Army Wars. Yeah, Army Wars. I'm like, oh, that was a line from that song, but that was about it. Yeah. I'm like, uh, other than that. All right. Well, thank you, and always remember to uh, power rank us over on any kind of uh, subscription service that you download this show from, especially on iTunes. Uh, ratings and reviews definitely help out other people to find our show. Uh, but not as much as you just, you know, going on your parents' computer or your friend's computer and just downloading our episode onto their computer right away. And have them like and review us, too. And yeah, tell yeah, no. other people. Or, or just like and review us as them. We appreciate that as well. I was like, you're still doing that? I almost got up and left. Like, I was just, like, ready <laughs> yeah. just to get up. You're yeah, on Facebook. I'm at a different seat in the table, so it's, <laughs> it's not as comfortable as I usually am. We got the Facebooks. We got the Instagrams. We got the Twitters. We're... we're we're all over the internets, interwebs. Find us, like us, and uh, suggest books that we, we should be talking about. Um, we usually do those as our trading policy, which is coming back, right, guys? Yeah, we'll yeah. be back. Is okay. it next week? or uh, I was hoping next week. It's your book. Okay. Yeah, so. next week. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing Vision. Oh, okay. Vision we'll be, Volume 1. Ooh, reading the Vision Volume 1. Gotta, oh. I gotta buy it and read it. <laughs> we'll figure out uh, how Viv ties into the rest of the universe, because she's like shows up in other Marvel books now.